In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, preaches the prophet Micah. St. John the baptizer repeats this same message when he preaches on Jordan's banks. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The day of the Lord's return is coming, and while the Spirit and the church keep their vigil, they continue to pray that this day would come quickly. For those who are unprepared for the day of the Lord, it will be a horrific and a terrifying sight. There will be no warning. There will be no rapture on that day. The shout will go up. The trumpet will blast. Creation will crumble in reverence. And there will be only the flesh of Christ in the fullness of divine glory, bathed in the glow of heaven and earth's destruction. As the text of the ancient Christian hymn, the Dies Irae, so proclaims, day of wrath and doom impending, David's word with sibyls blending, heaven and earth in ashes ending. You who are of Christ, pray for this day to come with speed, so that your eyes may behold your Lord in the flesh. You desire this day of wrath. You desire the rending of the heavens. You desire the trumpet blast. You desire the ash in heaven above and on earth below. For these things mean your Lord has returned to you and that he is gathering you into his wedding hall unto life everlasting. You desire to see him in the flesh with your own eyes, as Job confessed, because you have sought him in the flesh here and now. You are prepared for this final day. So you thus pray that it would come quickly. You are prepared because you have sought Christ and you have kept your vigil with him. Continue to do this, keeping watch with him and praying unto the end that you will remain prepared by his grace and mercy upon that final day. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Those who fear this day, 
are those who are unprepared. Those who will be terrified at the coming of Christ are those who never sought him in life, who denied him in word and deed, and who therefore are not recognized as dear children. Even within the walls of the church reside those who will tremble in terror when Christ returns in glory. The church is not defined by her walls of stone, but by the walls established long ago in doctrine, in preaching, in sacraments, and in creed. Those who reside within these walls are prepared, for to dwell here is an active seeking of Christ and a passive reception with thanksgiving of all that he offers. The blood and righteousness of Jesus serve as beauty and as glorious dress to these who are the true church. All of you who reside therein are the true faithful remnant. You will not fear as the others do, for you will sing out concerning your heavenly adornments midst flaming worlds in these arrayed with joy shall I lift up my head. You have sought the flesh and blood of Jesus, but some will not have. Some will have sought refuge within the walls of stone, but with hearts of stone rejected the gifts offered therein. The walls in which they found sanctuary will serve to them as prison when the day of wrath that day falls upon them, and they, in the ashes of creation, receive that heartbreaking rebuke from Christ. Could you not watch with me one hour? Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Some Christians refuse to see the glory of Christ upon the cross and in the sacraments. They do not recognize the presence of Christ within his church as a man in his very flesh and blood. They believe his words only foretell a disembodied spiritual reality devoid of any fleshly connection to you who are his beloved. It is to them as though the body of Christ were trapped in the grave or sealed away in heaven to be kept away from his holy bride, or even as though he only seemed a man or has ceased to be a man after his ascension. Seeking after a spiritual Jesus in this way serves as a confession of the anti-resurrection, for it does not want nor seek after a Jesus with a body of flesh and blood. It does not seek after the Jesus who was born of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Jesus that was placed into the manger, the Jesus, Lord of all, who was fed with milk at the breast of his creation, or the Jesus who, in this very flesh, was tortured and killed and who rose again. They would prefer that their Messiah remain an abstraction 
instead of a man. They fear him as a man and will have nothing but fear upon his return, therefore, when they see him in his glorious flesh. Yet they are denied the comfort of his cross now and will be then. For they think of glory in worldly terms. They do not see him in the beauty and glory of his humiliation. God made manifest as man to die for man. So also then they neither see nor receive the risen man, forever co-joined in the Messiah to the divine nature, who now gives himself to you in the body as both bridegroom and food. You do, however, you see the glory of his humiliation. You are drawn to the cross like eagles to a carcass. This is not simply a metaphor for a mysterious, unknown spiritual reality. You actually eat his flesh and drink his blood and are there joined to him in flesh and in spirit, in death and in the victory of life. There you are forgiven, and there you receive strength in body and in soul unto life everlasting. You see the glory of his love that has not abandoned you or gone away in breathless spirit form. He is not an idea. He is not a phantasm. He comes to you as a body, as a man, bound to his divinity and hidden in humble elements. He comes to you now and you rejoice, for you know him. He will come to you unveiled in the body that was crucified, raised, and ascended, and he will deem you worthy to stand before the Son of Man. For you have been made worthy in him. But none apart from him can ever be worthy. The text of the Dies Irae does not end with the day of wrath, and neither will your life. Think, kind Jesus, my salvation caused thy wondrous incarnation. Leave me not to reprobation. Through the sinful woman shriven, through the dying thief forgiven, thou to me a hope hast given. The flesh of that child whom you recall during this season is the very same flesh for which you pray, come, Lord Jesus. Love caused his incarnation. Love for you and a love that binds creator to creature. He will not leave you to reprobation, for he has died for you. As Mary Magdalene was forgiven, as the dying thief was forgiven, as all the invalid were healed and the possessed exercised, so too has he done for you and to you in the flesh by the flesh. St. Paul understands this fact 
And it is for this reason that he so urges the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. For when the day of wrath impends to you who now on Christ depend shall be in his mercy truly sent. The proud who need not God shun his love and mercy, will be as the stubble and as the chaff. You, however, who trust in God, have a sure and strong abode and mercy at the last. To you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, says the Lord. To you who are in Christ, and who seek him in the flesh. The flesh will be given. The touch of Christ will be administered. And salvation on the day be the hope and the joy of all the remnant upon and beneath the earth. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.